been on here last um, just lots been going on uh, these past week or so um, that has been kind of overwhelming for our family and things that we've had to deal with but um, whatever the cases may be I know that God has got something much greater planned in the background because of what we're going through because every you know as I've been using it as a theme throughout these podcasts every setback is a setup for a comeback but 
it is still true that in our lives we can find ourselves where there are damaged areas and in those damaged areas of our lives we can try to find ways to be like we look for ways to be restored or to to rebuild those damaged areas and that's kind of what I want to talk to you all about tonight um, in this podcast to kind of explain this and just kind of set the basis but I just want to give someone a word of encouragement that you may be having some damaged areas of your life that you're facing right now but just know that there is still hope in the restoring and rebuilding and as long as we're putting God in good God, God, putting God first, that is what's going to ultimately get us to where we need to be. But anyways, I want to take my scripture from Nehemiah 1 and 2. Nehemiah 1 and 2 says this, that Hannah and I, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. Going into verse 3, and they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire, damaged, but repairable. Going into verse 4. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now switching into Nehemiah 2 and 5. And I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. Going into verse 6. And the king said unto me, The queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be? And when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. See, looking at this, looking at the last half of chapter 1, Nehemiah is praying to have favor with the king to go and rebuild Jerusalem. It was four months between the time Nehemiah prayed and when he went before the king. Nehemiah's answer to the king in verse 6 shows that Nehemiah had a plan. He didn't just pray and wait on God without a plan. So with that being said, kind of set up with what I'm going to end up talking to you about tonight, I want to just simply give it a title such as this. Restoring and rebuilding the damaged areas of your life. Restoring and rebuilding the damaged areas of your life. Now this is adopted and inspired by one of my all-time favorite preachers, Brother Jeff Arnold, who he ended up speaking a little bit on behalf of some of this. And I'm kind of taking some of that and going a little bit further. But... I want to just talk to you guys, and before we get too much more into it, I want to just take a word of prayer real quick. Dear Lord Jesus, we come before you right now. We thank you for another opportunity, another chance to be able to set our sights on you and to be able to have another opportunity to hear your word being spoken to us, O God, and being taught to us, O God. Help us to be able to comprehend it, Lord, and to install it into our minds, our hearts, and souls, and we give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Looking at verse 2 and 7 of Nehemiah carrying on into verse 8 it says moreover I said unto the king if it please the king let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river that they may convey me over till I come into Judah and a letter a letter excuse me unto Asaph the keeper of the king's forest that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace which appertain to the house and for the wall of the city 
for the house that I shall enter into. See, Nehemiah really had a plan before God gave him favor with the king. He asked for timber, for the beams, for the gates, for the wall of the city, and for the house that he'll live in while rebuilding the city. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. See, when mankind fell in the Garden of Eden, we have no idea the monumental distance that he fell. Adam was the voice regent, or the vice regent of God ruling this planet. And when he tripped and trespassed into rebellion and fell, there was more involved than spiritual death. See, Adam had continuity and flow, a lifeline and a link with his God, who was his father. But when he trespassed, the spiritual light went out. See, God's life is a light of man, as we can see in John 1 and 9. See, God's spirit that lived in Adam was his spiritual illumination. It was his avenue of understanding. It was what the Bible calls light. Light doesn't condemn, light reveals. Light reveals because joined with the light is the God who is love. Light reveals in an act of love because love doesn't want to have to punish or destroy or the chastise. So God shows light and all of a sudden you, you and I see an area in our lives that is sin and the love of God demonstrates itself in long suffer and we get under conviction and repent. And what happens? The light manifests something in our lives. We are called to confess our sin and he is faithful and just to forgive us and the blood cleanses. But the question is, why does all that happen? And it, something could be answered like this, because light reveals two things. One, it sees the mistake. And two, it sees the provision. Here's the error. Here's the blood eraser. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, there was something else that happened besides spiritual death. There was a tremendous damaging that took place in the emotional sphere of the human species. Mankind experienced a sense of emotional distance from God. We are a tripart being, body, soul, and spirit, as we come to find in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. See, now there is no geography in God. There is no such thing as far and close with God. All of the scriptures, some of God's wonderful people write, How come thou art far away? Why don't you hear me? God is never coming and going. God is. But there is a sense of distance that happens in our lives in any area of our life that is dissimilar or unlike Him. When He practices things that are unlike Him, we experience a sense of distance, and God feels like He is far off, but He hasn't moved anywhere. The salvation of being born again of water and spirit is more than just making a, re a reconnection to the Spirit of God. When you repent, get water baptized, and get filled with His Spirit, you have a link to divine nature and divine life, but that doesn't do anything for the damage of your soul. Receiving the baptism of the Spirit only regenerates your dead human spirit. See, when Adam fell, all the fabulous divine possibility and potential was still existent in his fallen framework, but it was locked up in him. His emotional spirit suffered great damage because he now embraced something he wasn't designed to deal with. Fear, shame, and guilt. These are emotions God never intended for his children to ever have to deal with. And you're probably right now dealing with some of those same exact facets. Fear, shame, and guilt. You're afraid of what's going on in this world. You're afraid of what's going to happen. You're afraid of what the next move's going to be. There may be some things that you've done in your life that you're, you feel shameful that you've done. That if you could go back, you could you wish you could just redo it and not make the same mistake. And then that leads to that guilt process. And see, that fear, shame, and guilt is what the devil likes to try to keep us so, so wrapped up in. 
and see as we found out here that these are not emotions God like these are emotions God never intended for his children to ever have to deal with so while God can reconcile us legislatively judicially and experimentally so that yes we are back in union and communion with him we however come back into union with him with damaged emotions emotions are not locked up in our spirit they are in our soul our soul not our spirit is our personality it is our will, our intellect, it's our grasp of things, it's our personality of who we are. God's image to the fallen man, though it was defaced and degraded, was not destroyed. It was marred, but it was not missing. It was buried, but it was still there. To kind of put some context to this, we can look at Genesis 1 and 1 through 9, where, we, where this, uh, there's this recreative act of God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. When that was, no one knows. And the earth was without form and void. The Hebrew says it, it became void. So there was a catastrophe. Something happened between Genesis 1 and 1 and Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 1, 3. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And God said, let there be light. That was a recreative act because he is not creating nothing out of nothing. Or something out of nothing. He is calling stuff that is buried to come back up. He was allowing what once was to surface again. He speaks to the earth and said, Bring forth stuff that is buried in you. Genesis 1.21 The waters brought forth abundantly. Verse 24 The earth bring forth the living creature. See, we have stuff in this right now that the Holy Ghost wants to take out of its brutal place. Burial place, excuse me, and bring it to the fullness and fruition so that we can have a completion in our life. So that we're more than just a tongue talker. The talking in tongues is not the issue. That's just our reconnection. It's our birth certificate. For example, people who have paid a, pen a penalty and have gone to prison, they come out and are readmitted back into society. Now watch. Born again of water and spirit. You're readmitted back into society. Your own family. Okay? You come out of jail. You're in society. Welcome home family. But you come out with damage and you cannot live very long waving your per your pardon why it's because you have been so bound up you've been beat up you've been damaged you've been lied to you've been hurt your identity has been damaged your personal self-worth and image and dignity have been stolen from you a trip to the altar fixes your relationship with god but now wait a minute who's going to fix your relationship to us the same Holy Ghost that regenerates the human spirit wants to spread out and do the next work in the soul. And for some reason, we thought it was automatic. See, when God looks at us, he sees so much potential and possibility that's been buried because of the original fall. He wants to work on us and finish the image of God. He looks at every one of us and says, there's more in you than just getting the Holy Ghost. There's an unknown image of God, a personality of God, a practice of the divine spirit of God. I want to follow out of your spirit flow out of your spirit and into your soul so that you can live an unfrustrated life do you know how many people have the holy ghost and stay frustrated because they can't dominate lust or sex or morals or honesty or anger or insecurity or fear that stuff doesn't come out of your spirit that comes out of your soul the holy ghost wants to spill over into your soul and do a work see deliverance according to god's way is twofold it involves redemption and regeneration the blood redeems the spirit adopts but now God wants to restore and rebuild our personality sin killed the spiritual but it devastated and damaged the emotional so salvation in its fullness requires regeneration of your spirit 
baptism of the Holy Ghost and the rebuilding of our personality and being which is our soul, the emotional realm of oneself. See, God desires to rebuild us so that we can experience his original intention, which is only displayed twice, once in Adam and once in Jesus. See, Jesus was not only spiritually perfect, he was emotionally perfect. He knew when to get mad, when not to get mad. He knew when to speak and when to keep quiet. See, the story of Nehemiah involves both phases of restoration. Restoration of the temple, which equals spiritual. Rebuilding of the walls and the gates, which equals emotional. This goes into an inward and outward mentality. We have the desire that the areas of our life, like the walls of Jerusalem, were ruined, burned, and broken down. Get fixed. The Holy Ghost in us is the spiritual aspect that seeks to work outwardly to rebuild the defeated, shameful areas of our lives. We must believe in the possibility of personal fulfillment, regardless of the past or of, of our present. We can find ourselves rebuilding this in our lives and finding that personal fulfillment regardless of the past or our present condition. For the same Holy Ghost that rebirthed us and relinked us to God's divine nature, it wants to spill out and work in our emotional areas. The problem is, one is momentary. The other is daily progression. You can get the Holy Ghost in five seconds, but dealing with the damage of your soul takes a lifetime. The story of the prodigal son is a great out of the pig pen, taking to himself, coming home, daddy running down, hugging and kissing his stinky, muddy covered son, get the knife and kill a calf, give everybody the day off with pay, get the ring, robe, and slippers, and let, let's boogaloo. That is my boy that was once lost and now he is found. And then we watch, then walk off into happy ever after. But that's not what really happened. The restoration and the reconciliation was real, showing us the heartbeat of God. See, God's love and compassion is very real, but in that space where chapter 15 ends and chapter 16 starts, there's not a doubt in my mind that the body, or the boy, excuse me, had to deal with emotional trauma and damaged feelings. He probably, and also guilt and shame and frustration and earning back credibility in that one moment was not big enough or great enough to do it. It would take time. Do not accept the guilt that hell or your own damaged personality is wanting to put on you. If God has reconciled you, then he is in the process of progressively restoring and rebuilding the damaged areas of your life. And God is not as impatient as we are. There are a few ways those areas get fixed. Number one, interaction with the Holy Ghost. Number two, extensive biblical study. Three, interaction with godly spiritual people. And four, servanthood to the body of Christ. See, Ezra precedes Nehemiah because the temple has to be built first, then the outer walls, and then the city. Satan can get to your soul, but not your spirit. That's why you have to guard your spirit by keeping it in union and communion with God. There are two aspects of our being, soul, our being, soul and spirit. Things that happen in our life touch the manifestation of who we are. Our soul is the access point of evil. See, the Bible shows us at one point that the temple was fine, but the city was a disaster. What is that saying? When your spirituality is doing well and your soul is doing horrendous, the enemy has free access to you. The enemy does not have access to the human spirit. He does have access to the human body. And he can touch the soul because the soul is the emotion, will, and intellect. You cannot walk in the truth 
of the epistles without a rebirth or regeneration. The book of Acts and spiritual regeneration isn't enough for what God is trying to do for us. That's why he gives us instructors and the epistles to educate us in the areas that demonstrate not our spirits, but our souls. Our flesh has ingrained practices that are stronger than our spirit because it's been around longer. That's why we had to learn to get our soul sanctified and consecrated. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The issue isn't getting more Holy Ghost. It's get your thinking right. Sanctification of your soul is a journey of a lifetime. So looking at this very simple, simple demonstration, it all goes down to what you're bringing into your expectations. See, expectations can determine your outcome and what is going to happen and what is going to take place. And see, sometimes we can let our expectation get so wound up, so wrapped up in the negative that that's what we're going to end up getting in return. We're expecting negative, so we are getting negative in return. See, it's when we actually put our expectations in a higher capacity, in the positive things of God, in the positive things of our life to try to overcome those evil things, then we can end up finally coming to our sensation, our, our realization that we can overcome the guilt, the shame, and the pain. That that broken heart that you've had, that that issue that you've been facing or those things that you feel guilty about are the shame that you face because of something you've done. If you expect that you're going to be able to overcome those, then you're going to be able to overcome them. Because your expectation determines your outcome. I have learned in my, my life personally that when it comes to things and capacities of my life, I always try to expect positive things. I try to expect the good things and what God has put. And I try to claim things as they already are because the Bible gives us liberty and it gives us the ability to be able to declare that victory, to declare that deliverance, to declare that freedom from our past where we don't have to dwell in our past anymore. It's important to not forget our past in the sense of where we've come from because we can learn from the past. We can then end up taking what we've done in the past and become a better person for the future. And to set that same standard for people who are after us. And I think that is where we have to find ourselves to looking at where our expectation lies. Because if we are letting ourselves get so consumed and we are believing on the negative things, then guess what? You're going to reap and you're going to sow negative things. So it's important in our lives in our li to be able to find up and be able to realize that God is in control of everything and we do not have to let our past determine us. It's when our expectations end up determining in our outcome and that is what I want to kind of just speak to, like that's what I'm trying to bring to you guys tonight and speaking to you and what we're doing right now because it's very easy to find ourselves getting so so wrapped up that we forget what's going on in the background that we forget that God has restored us from that don't let your faults and failures and your pains and shame get the best of you. Overcome them. 
become something greater, become something better. Because here's the great thing about God. He loves us anyway. And that is something that we can be so, so thankful for. Anyways, I hope you guys can be blessed by this. And that you may be able to take this and apply it to your lives. May the Lord bless you. And know that God is in control. And your expectation will determine your outcome. Oh, how amazing, oh, how